I want to share from a very familiar scripture today, Romans chapter number 12, guys. I was, I was going in a completely different direction with today's message, but I feel like this is where, where we are, and um, this is what I believe God's placed on my heart for us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is what it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Listen to this. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's the most important phrase. Then, most important for this sermon, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, until my mind's renewed, I can't test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're in, we're in summer school. You're getting a master's degree. Today I want to talk about mastering your mind. Mastering your mind. Ladies and gentlemen, as we eavesdrop on this conversation that Paul is having with people populated in Rome, we can gather this summary from several of Paul's statements. Here it is for my note takers. You do not change your life by changing your life. You change your life by changing your mind. <laughs> I'm going to say that one more time. You do not just change your life by trying to change your life. You change your life by changing your mind. This is the essence of what Paul is attempting to articulate to this people in this place called Rome. They are newer Christians. Some of them are coming out of the Jewish tradition. Others are coming from the Gentile tradition. And Paul is writing to both of them saying it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you got a PhD or no degree. It doesn't matter if you come from off the street or Wall Street. It doesn't matter if you graduated magna cum laude, summa cum laude, or thank you laude. It does not matter. He said the transformation is tied and tethered to the renovation of your mind. And the enemy understands this reality, which is why he aggressively and consistently attacks us in the area of our thinking. Solomon put it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We will always behave in a way that is consistent with the way that we see ourselves. And I am telling you, and Paul is telling us through this passage on today, the importance and the priority of mastering our mind. It's interesting here because Paul in verse one is talking to believers in Rome about first of all getting a revelation of God's mercy he says in view of God's mercy see did you hear what I just said I said in view of God's mercy present yourself as a living sacrifice he says your sacrifice to him should be a response of his mercy to you 
I just got to pause right there because I know there's a lot of conversation in Christian spaces about the gift of grace. And grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve. And if he's ever given you something you don't deserve, I need you to wave at me right now. Come on. Okay. But I think, I think we ought not just appreciate and celebrate the grace of God. We also, as Paul says here, need to appreciate and celebrate something else. That's the mercy of God. Here it is. In his grace, he gives me what I don't deserve. I'm going to find the honest people now. Uh, uh, but in his mercy, he doesn't give me what I do deserve. I'm going to say that one more time. In his grace, he gives me what I don't deserve. But in his mercy, he doesn't give me what I do deserve. And I know you've learned how to praise him for grace. But I'm looking for the honest section. I said I'm looking for the honest section. Because I want to know, will you praise him for mercy? Is there anybody honest enough to say, there are some things I sowed that I did not reap? Y'all miss that. Y'all miss that now. There, there, there are Watch this now. Watch this. Because in mercy, God interrupts his own law. Y'all come get me today. God initiated the law of sowing and reaping. He says you reap if you sow. We reap positive if we sow positive. We should reap negative if we sow negative. But God in mercy will often interrupt a law he created. So it's some stuff you sowed that you could have reaped a different way. Where's my honest section? I said that you could have reaped a different way, but somehow in some way, God intervened and he held back judgment and he held back justice. And I want all the perfect people right now to be quiet. But for those of us who say, I shouldn't even be here right now. I shouldn't even be able to sit in a church right now. My name should not be good right now. But somehow, some way, he looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. Mercy. He said, in view of God's mercy, let your response to mercy be, I'm a living sacrifice. You've been too good to me. You've given me too many chances. You have demonstrated so much patience with me. I now have a revelation of your mercy that has produced appreciation in my heart. And I'm willing to present myself as a living sacrifice. But Paul doesn't stop there. We read it. In verse 2 he says, and don't be conformed. Wait a minute. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world don't miss this now he says he says don't be molded by don't succumb to don't be like what is it is it play-doh or clay-doh play-doh wait a minute don't judge y'all judging me I mean it's what is it clay-doh play-doh y'all know what I mean don't be play-doh in the hands of culture what does that mean it means Paul is telling them listen are y'all ready for this he's saying do not make decisions regarding the way you're going to manage your life 
based on the patterns and the trends that that are popular in culture he said so look at what culture is doing relationally and don't conform to that do not give up your value and your virtue for a coke and a smile he says look at what culture is doing financially don't be conformed to that look at what culture is doing professionally don't be conformed to that because I got another way and my way's not just right my way's better if you do it my way I'll open doors no man can shut if you do it my way I'll close doors no man can open if you do it my way I'll bless those that bless you I'll curse those that curse you if you do it my way no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that arises in judgment God shall condemn he said I want you to do it my way because there's a way that seems right unto man but in the end it's destruction see this is one of the reasons Paul also quotes an Old Testament writer when he says and the just shall live by faith because it takes faith to not be conformed. Did you hear what I just said? It takes faith to make a decision that I'm going to resist the seduction, the pressure, the urge to do it the way that they do it. And all throughout scripture, especially in the Old Testament, we see examples of individuals who actually did this. Daniel is one of them. The Hebrew boys, they are an example of this. The scriptures tell us that Daniel gets hired to work in a pagan kingdom and there was a process that they took all those who worked in that kingdom through to prepare them for their service to that administration and part of that process involved eating a diet that would violate Daniel's religious convictions and Daniel told the people there you do it your way and let me do it God's way and see at the end of this process who comes out looking better and the Bible says Daniel looks so good let me just let me just let me just I said let me just put it this way I want to contemporize and Danielize this text I said Daniel's swag was so tight his skin was so bright that the people looked at what he was on and started questioning what kind of regiment is that I want to tell you if you got faith to resist culture's way and do it God's way not only will you come out where they came out you will come out better than they came out somebody open your mouth and say better I just speak that over you this summer better better in your relationships better in your job better with your kids better in your heart better in your mind better is on the other end of God's way Paul says resist the temptation to be conformed to the way they do it. Boy, if I, if I had a little time, I would just, I would, I would dig a little bit deeper there. But I got time today, cuz. I got, you got time, I got time. Watch this now, watch this. I want you, I want you to catch this. This is in essence 
what I taught some of you who've been rocking with me for a while years ago in a series I did called Water Walkers. And this series was based on a principle I called the principle of exception. What's that principle, Pastor? Here it is. What happens with them does not dictate and determine what happens with me. I said what happens with them does not dictate and determine what happens with me. In other words, previous patterns are not an accurate indication of future possibilities. That you can't look at what happened with other people like me and determine what's possible for me. You can't look at what happened with other people my age and tell me what's possible for me at my age. You can't look at other people my gender and tell me what's possible for me with my gender. Because God is the God that makes exceptions. And you've got to believe in exceptions to resist the temptation to conform to culture. Say, I'm not going to do my relationships that way. Because I don't want the kind of relationship most people in culture have. Am I making sense? Watch this now. Watch this. So he says, don't be conformed to this world. But then he says something right here that messed me up. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, this messed me up now because he's talking to people that are already saved. It's like he's saying there's some limitation in your transformation until there is a renovation of your mind. I'm going to say it again. He's talking to people who have already been washed in the blood of the Lamb. He's talking to people whose names are already eternally written in the Lamb's book of life. He's talking to people who when they pass away are going to go to a land where the wicked cease from troubling and the weary shall be at rest. He's talking to those people and tell them, now there is some transformation. There's going to be some limitation to your transformation until you experience the renovation of your mind. Which, did you hear what I just said? Which means, which means, he says, which, which, which means, this is interesting, this, this renewing or renovation. I literally had a friend in Charlotte who had started a church called Renovation Church, Renovatus. It was Renovation Church and, and it was based on this scripture because God's like, what happens when they renovate, renovate a house is what I need to do to your mind. Y'all missed it, right? This is not construction, this is renovation. And if you want to master your mind, you got to let God do some reconstruction and some renovation. See, when you renovate a house, some walls are already there. When you renovate a house, floors are already there. When you renovate a house, some furniture is already there. And they, they come in and say, we need to move some of this furniture around. We need to tear some of these walls down. We need to pull up some of this carpet. And God's like, if you let me get in your mind, I'm going to move some furniture around. I'm going to pull some carpet up. I'm going to knock some walls down because I want to renovate the way you think about things. Now, don't miss this. If, if you're following me, wave at me. Let me see. Wave at me. Follow me. Okay, here it is. Here it is now. Here it is. I said, wait, wave at me. Wait. Every, I got, okay, thank you. Here it is. Here it is. 
renovation is more messy than construction. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? I, I said renovation is more messy than construction. And many people can't get through the renovation of their mind because they're not willing to go through messy seasons. Yeah, come on, come on here. Yeah, they're they're not willing to go through the seasons that God wants to use to take them through to remove some of the things that need to be removed so that renovation can actually take place. He says, sometimes you almost have to lose it for me to change it. Did you hear what I just said? He said, sometimes you almost have to lose your mind in order for me to change your mind because there are some things I got to knock down. So I can renovate your mind. What walls... need to come down so you can go up he says he says don't be conformed but be transformed by the renewing of your mind this word transform here has ties to what we would call metamorphosis now I want you to catch this metamorphosis implies something I want us to wrap our head around and I want you to look at the imagery of a caterpillar and a butterfly metamorphosis is an evolution into the highest version of yourself not an improvement of the lower version of yourself so when God here is saying I want to transform you he's not saying I want to make you a faster caterpillar some of us are settling for crawling when this is the season for God to give you some wings. I don't know who this is for, but I want to tell somebody your crawling season is over and this summer you're going to learn how to spread your wings. There are some things that have been over you that you can fly over when you become a version of yourself that you had not been previously. Here it is. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here it is. Y'all all right? Okay. He says when that happens, then. Yeah. I, I love the way the King James puts it. It says, then you will be able to prove. Right? So this rendering makes it a, a, a bit complicated. Test and approve. You can't approve God's will. Like I know what the writers are inferring here, but it can be a bit, it, it, it could create a conundrum when it comes to interpretation here because God's will doesn't require my approval. Does that make sense? Right. So the King James runs is this, you will be able to prove. So God has a will for your life 
a renewed mind helps you prove it. Okay, okay. Let me, are y'all getting this? If you're not confused, wave at me. Okay, here it is. In other words, his will is peace that passes all understanding. You have to pray about it. You have to pray about whether or not he wants that for you. His, his will is revealed in the written word. He says, I want to give you peace that your mind can't understand. That's his will, right? And we can tell other people, God wants to give me peace that passes all understanding. It's only when your mind is renewed that you can prove it. He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask a thing. Prove it. He wants to give me joy unspeakable and full of glory. Prove it. My enemies will come into me one way, but leave me seven ways. Prove it. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises in judgment, God shall condemn. Prove it. <laughs> he said the way, the way that you prove it, the way that you become a living example. That, that's the proof is in your life he says the way you become a living example is through the renewing of your mind and I don't know who this is for I just feel this so strong today but if it's for you after I say it if it's for you I want you to get up and point at me if this for you here it is God's getting ready to make you somebody else's proof y'all <laughs> did you hear what I just said I said somebody is doubting what God can do somebody is doubting what God will do somebody is doubting what God is capable of doing and God's getting ready to put you in front of them and say there's proof that a weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning there's proof that I can take the broken pieces of your life and put them back together again there's proof that I redeem your life from destruction there's proof that what the devil meant for evil you do know he uses people as proof <laughs> Hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. he told Abraham he said I'm going to make your name great but he did not articulate his intention to make Abraham's name great just to make Abraham famous. He articulated his intention to make Abraham's name great, not to make Abraham's name great, but to make his name great. He said, Abraham, I'm going to use your name to magnify mine so that when I introduce myself to people in future generations I'm going to say I'm the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob you remember Abraham the one that blew up from the flow up I did that you remember Isaac who prospered in a famine I did that you remember Jacob who gave birth to the seed and the man named Joseph that saved Israel from dying in the famine I did that and I want to know does anybody want God to use them not just to preach not just to prophesy use me as proof yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know we use God's name. 
let me just speak this into somebody's heart but God's getting ready to use yours I'm going to say that <laughs> I said he's getting ready to use yours say Abraham I'm, I'm going to make yours great so that people know I did that then you can prove that that good pleasing acceptable will of God and we're walking around telling the world what God can do and, and the world's like where's the proof I'm going to say that one more time I said, we are walking around telling the world what God can do. And the world is wondering, where is the proof? But I cannot prove, be a living example of his will. I cannot be proof of other people's possibility until there's the renewing of the mind. So Paul tells them in a sentence to do it, but not how. I got to go, but I can't leave you because I'm a teacher. I'm, I said, and the teacher in me won't let me leave you just by telling you to do it. The teacher in me has at least got to attempt to tell you how Paul tells us how to do it he just doesn't tell us how in this letter I got to look at some of, some of his other letters to see from some of his other letters how I can apply what he said in this one so in this letter to the, to the believers in Rome, he tells us, are y'all here? Yeah. Wave at me if you're here. In, in this letter to believers in Rome, he tells us to renew it. But when he's talking to believers in Philippi, he tells them how. He says, let this mind <laughs> <laughs> Woo! he said let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus this is, this, is, this is commentary on what he says in Romans when he says there are two types of mind you got, you got carnal mind and that is the mind that is influenced by culture and then he said you got the spiritual mind and that's the mind that's influenced by the spirit so the state of your mind is based on who got influence at the moment are y'all here if you hear wave at me here it is the state of your mind is not static it doesn't just stay in one state come on here where's my honesty it doesn't just stay in one state it depends on who's influencing it that day And some days we're optimistic and we're positive and we're full of hope and we're full of faith. And then other days we are discouraged. We are downtrodden. God hadn't changed. You hadn't changed. But the, whatever is influencing your mind has changed. And this, what, this, this, is, 
this is why right here. So, so, so here it is. This is number one. Y'all know I grew up Baptist, so uh, I consider myself now Baptist non-denominational Presbyterian Methodist Church of God in Christ of deliverance. <laughs> Somebody just quicken. Stop that quickening right there. I said deliverance. You say, oh, don't play with me, pastor. I grew up in holiness. Holiness is still right. <laughs> Here it is. I like to use alliteration because it helps you with memorization. Here it is, number one. So the, this is important. Number one, how do, I, how, how do I renew my mind? I need the right reason. It's the why. I need the right reason because this is a process and I won't stick with the process if I don't have the right reason. Right? I deal with this all the time in the culture space. People want to skip steps. Nope, you got to get the why right. Because whatever plan I, you get, you won't follow the plan if you don't have the right reason. And this is what Paul says now. He says, uh, he says now listen. He says, to be carnally minded is death. Something's going to die if you allow your mind to constantly be influenced by culture or by you alone something's going to die did you hear what I just said peace is going to die joy is going to die some opportunity is going to die something is going to die but then this is what he said here and this made me want to shout to be carnally minded to have my, to have my mind governed primarily because nobody does this perfectly but to have my mind governed primarily by culture or by me that leads to death he says but to be spiritually minded having my mind governed primarily the majority of the time by the principles of God or the person of God watch this it leads to life things live that would have died and peace wait a minute did you hear me it leads to life and peace life and peace so here's the reason here's the reason the right reason is life and peace if, if you don't have peace you can't enjoy life now I want you to look at me everybody look at me in the back look at me here it is look at me now be honest don't say, don't say anything out loud this is a question for your reflection how much peace you have no, don't give me the church colloquialism. This joy I have the world. No, for real, for real. Sunday through Sunday, the majority of the time, how much you really have peace? And if you don't have it, how much are you willing to give for it? Because it's priceless. Well, Pastor Darius, I got money. If all you got is money, you settling. That's all you got? <laughs> Peace. If you don't have peace, no matter what you have, you're poor. Peace is what you get when you live life the king's way. It's not what you get because you're a Christian. 
I'm done, Tario. They don't want to hear nothing. I said, peace is what you get when you live life the king's way. It is not what you get when you become a Christian because we're Christians and we don't have it. It becomes available. God supplies, but we must apply the principles if we're going to access peace. Because Paul says, Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's not things. It's not tangible. It's not physical. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That when I'm living life the king's way, the fruit of that is righteousness, right standing between me and me and God and me and others. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what the kingdom gives. That's what nothing. You can't get that anywhere else. And that's the right reason. Will my renewal make you more productive? Yeah. Will mind renewal make you more profitable? Maybe. But there are people who are profitable whose mind didn't renew. So if your mind renewal is attached to profit, then there's a number that you can reach that will stop your growth. That's why your reason can't be attached to a status. I want to renew my mind so I can reach a goal. What happens when you reach the goal? So this is why point number one is you need the right reason. Because without the right reason, you're going to stop doing the things that bring peace. Peace. Number one, right reason. I'm done. Number two, y'all ready for this? I say y'all ready for this. The right resistance. Guys, I'm in, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm still in, I'm still in uh, pulling the principle from Romans, but I'm in Philippians 4. And I have time to pull it all out, but it's all right there. The right resistance. When Paul starts talking about whatever's good, whatever's noble, think on these things. Here's the inverse of that. To think on those things means to not think about things that are not that. So if it's not good, don't think about it so Paul's saying to renew my mind I've got to develop the discipline of resistance that these thoughts disturbing thoughts and negative thoughts and questions they're going to come to my mind but I need to develop the discipline of resisting them Bible even talks about using resistance in spiritual warfare resist the devil and he'll flee meaning you can't always control what someone or something does you can just control how you respond and that's a discipline you can't just sit and just let those thoughts set up shop in your head without a fight you can't just repeat those negative things there's something and I know people don't they don't like these this but I told you I, I told you all a while ago I've been exploring this and thinking a little bit on this concept rather called word curses and it's like I think some of us are living out scripts we're living out scripts in our life that are result, self-destructive scripts in our life they're results of words that have been spoken to us or that we've spoken to ourselves. Some of you right now, is, you're in a season of adulthood, but you still remember things that were said to you in childhood. Resist. 
the theologian Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but a Reformation theologian named Martin Luther said, I can't control if a bird lands on my head. I can control if I let it build a nest. You can't control what thoughts may come to your mind. You can control if you let them linger. Now, most people don't do this long enough because it requires mental energy. Did you hear what I just said? It's like, but that's just like trying to take off and run a marathon without getting in shape. It takes a little time to get your mind in shape where you build up the willpower to keep resisting. But you need the right resistance. I got two more, y'all all right? Number three, you need the right reframing. I don't know what's happening in your life. And some of it you can't control but you can decide to put the right frame around it the difference between a door being closed and you being protected is your framing for some people it's rejection for you it can be direction it's all based on the frame you put around the same situation You can put, you can look at a situation and say, they stabbed me in the back. Or you can reframe it and say, God showed me that season was up. You can say, I'm in so much pain now by what they did to me. Or you can reframe it and say, God is protecting me from so much pain later. So much more pain later. He's let me cry a little bit now so I don't have to cry a lot later. It's all about the framing. I feel delayed. God's timing is God's kindness. Frame. I'm done, and here's the last one. This isn't just church talk. This is not just theological, it's logical. You need the right rejoicing. I don't think we explain enough, emphasize enough the power of praise. What does praise? Praise, rejoicing, it requires mindfulness. It requires you filling your mind with those things that are praiseworthy. Is that what Paul calls it? Those things that are praiseworthy. It means that, that, that my mind now has to shift from those things that would make me cynical and pessimistic and, be, and my mind has to be full of the goodness and the greatness of God. Praise should be a response to God's faithfulness not a condition of my feelings. If my praise is contingent upon how I feel, you're not doing it right. Did you hear what I just said? But it gets you results. I'm going to do I'm going to do this one exercise. I did it years, years ago. Years ago, I first got in ministry. I saw 
a preacher make this example and it stuck with me over 20 years ago so this is what I want you to do right now at home right now in our locations this is what I want you to do alright look at me Jersey here it is this is what I want you to do in your head I want you to count to 10 right but as you count to 10 whatever I tell you to do I want you to do it so in your head count to 10 start counting now but whatever I tell you to do do it say Jesus that was weak. All right, start over. Come on, class. This is summer school. Y'all tired of summer school? We're going to try it one more time. All right, so you're going to count to 10. When I tell you to say Jesus, you're going to say Jesus loud, okay? All right, so count to 10 in your head. Go. Now say Jesus. Okay. What happened to your counting? It was interrupted. Whatever was going on in your mind was interrupted by what came out of your mouth. And I don't know what's going on in your mind right now. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I know God gave you a weapon and that weapon is rejoicing. That tool is praise. And when you release some things out of your mouth, it interrupts what's going on in your head. I need somebody right now. If the devil's fighting you in your head, I want you to open your mouth and you interrupt the thoughts of the enemy by using your weapon of praise. <laughs> this is the season to master your mind some of you right now are so discouraged by the first part of the year that you had you said this year was going to be different and you feel like it hadn't been different and you've made the assumption that it's not going to be different and I came to tell you, don't you, don't you succumb, don't you succumb to that inferior mind. God wants you to master that mind so you can pivot this year. I, I, I've said that a couple of times this month. This is pivot season. Pivot, uh, change in direction. I don't know where you need to make a pivot I want to tell you it's not too late I want to tell you God can do it in six months I'm going to say that again because I believe that with every bone in my body I said God can do it in six months I said he can do it in six months he can do it in five months he can do it in four months he can make your phone ring tomorrow and it completely revolutionize the rest of your life But it begins with mastering that mind. And we need the Holy Spirit's help for this. So, Father, I just pray right now for everybody under the sound of my voice. Those are part of our physical locations. Those are part of our global location. I pray right now for every single person at war in their mind. And I pray that your Holy Spirit, which makes all things new, would perform renovation in our thinking. We just declare that, Father, we are under renovation. We thank you for it. And we say, have your way. Do it, Lord Jesus. Do it quickly. Do it swiftly.
We want to be proof of what you can do. So we pray against. You taught us to pray for deliverance from evil. So we pray against limited thinking. We pray against the attitudes of indifference and hopelessness. We pray for a revival of hope and faith to believe that you are still able, you are yet able to do exactly what you said. And I pray this blessing on the mind of your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Put your hands together in our locations. Put some fire in that chat.